Hi everyone, this is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show, and this show is for anyone that has a strong passion for health, for health insurance, but most importantly, has a strong passion for making other people healthier in this world. I am very excited today to have Mark Kwame on the show. Uh, Mark is the co-founder and partner at Drive Capital and brings a very interesting perspective on not just health, but insure tech and insurance. Uh, they've invested in a variety of different companies. They vote with their dollars. I won't steal his thunder. Mark, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for uh, having me today. Absolutely. Absolutely, Mark. And uh, we appreciate the time greatly. I guess, you know, one thing we, we always love to start doing on these episodes is your background story, right? So your origin story, the series of steps that you took to get to where you're at today. Tell us, uh, tell us a little, about, little bit about you and your origin story. Sure. Well, first of all, I, I picked my parents well uh, in that uh, my parents are uh, both native San Franciscans. Uh, my dad uh, is really considered one of the, you know, one of the uh, several fathers of Silicon Valley, if you will. So mm-hmm. he got his degree in semiconductors, actually in Syracuse, New York, where I was, I eventually was born, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, they were there for two years. That's where I was born. And uh, my dad came back and started in that, in that business. And I'm sure many of your listeners have heard of Fairchild. Fairchild was the mm-hmm. like the spawn of the Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. and uh, my father worked there with all the folks that you would know. And uh, he and a couple of his uh, associates went off to start uh, National Semiconductor, uh, and then uh, from there, uh, you know, kind of the whole Silicon Valley thing happened. And as I was growing up, I saw I saw I really saw this, and I wanted to be part of it. So when I was 19. Uh, I went to this uh, curious company and I actually remember asked my dad this. I said, dad, who would ever name their company Apple computer? Um, and so I, he says, well, I got some friends working over there. Let me give him a call, see if you can get a summer job. And long story short, got a summer job at Apple and that turned into four and a half straight years where I was working full time and going to school full time at Berkeley. Uh, I was the international product manager for the Apple IIe and then the Apple IIc uh, and then left to start my my first startup. I always had the entrepreneurial bug and uh, that company, that's kind of my MBA. It was a two and a half year MBA and that it went up and then it went down. So I had a soft line that company, a company called International Solutions. Mm-hmm. Then I went to go head international marketing for Wise Technology, which is a fast growing tech company at the time. And I said, you know, I... I want to go start a company again, but you know I got to go sharpen my sword and shine my shield to go, you know, go to go to battle again. And then uh, left there to go to a company called um, CKS. My, uh, one of my uh, fellows, uh, my friends who worked with me at uh, at uh, International Solutions, had started a uh, basically a technology first marketing agency. Uh, a guy named Bill Cleary, and then I came in and bought half the company, and soon thereafter, a fellow named Tom Suter, who was a creative director at Apple at the time, uh, actually, well, he's a landlord at the time, but prior to that was at, uh, at Apple, we started a company called CKS, and that was one of the first digital agencies ever created, and we grew it very rapidly. Uh, Goldman Sachs took us pu- public in 1995, uh, and then we sold it in 1999, and it was a, a very successful uh, exit for everybody. And actually, we sold it in 1988, I should say. And then in early 1999, I started getting a whole bunch of uh, knocks on my door about from venture capitalists saying, have you thought about venture capital? And in fact, I had. I almost started my own venture capital firm. But fortunately, mm-hmm. I decided to join Sequoia Capital, which is, you know, in my mind, the, the 
preeminent, the, the number one, the best venture capital firm over the last 40, 50 years. And I uh, was very happy uh, moving along there. And uh, in 2010, a friend of mine, a guy named John Kasich, became governor of Ohio and did something I didn't expect. He asked me to, uh, said, Mark, can you help me uh, privatize and, and basically help me run the state and privatize economic development and create a thing called Jobs Ohio. Uh, I thought it was going to be six months. I was going to be there and out, and that was eight years ago. So uh, <laughs> what, ha- what happened was is I just started seeing some really cool technologies in the Midwest. I started seeing great entrepreneurs, great uh, companies. And over my time, my two years at Jobs Ohio, I said, you know, why isn't there any really, you know, institutional-based Silicon Valley-styled uh, venture capital in the Midwest? And, uh, um, you know, long story short, talked to one of my partners, uh, Chris Olson at, at Sequoia, who grew up in Cincinnati, and said, hey, you know, you should start a VC fund here. And after he did all the work, he said, no, I'll, I'll do it if you do it. So we started Drive Capital in 2013 is when we kind of put it all together. We, um, we raised our first fund, a $250 million fund uh, that closed in January of 14. We then uh, invested that and then started a uh, invest. We're now currently investing out of a $300 million. Uh, our fund, too, we're about 50, 60% through that. And we'll mm-hmm. uh, uh, march along and pretty much uh, things are working well. So we're, we're excited about uh, the opportunities here and uh, uh, and hopefully creating, you know, uh, some great returns for our uh, limited partners here in, in the Midwest. Amen. Amen. No, this is this is great. This is great, Mark. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And, you know, before I ask questions more about, you know, you know, how you guys are voting with your dollars, but you guys got have some really fascinating, intriguing companies you've invested in that are doing some really good innovations in healthcare and in insurance. Love to understand that a little bit more. But And I did not know about your background with um, from Apple and your appearance, but uh, super intriguing. But maybe for our listeners out there, I, I'm very fascinated about it. Obviously, as we grow our company, we're always looking at Midwest talent, but there's this phenomenon of like Silicon Prairie. Can you, can you give our listeners an idea of like why growing a company in the Midwest uh, could be more advantageous than growing a company in expensive Silicon Valley here or New York, or maybe you can give us some some more context of the opportunities for early stage and seed stage companies uh, yeah, I mean, about the opportunity. Yeah, so basically, what we see here is it, it reminds me of the early days of Silicon Valley. I'm I'm one of those unique guys who I remember uh, living there before it was called Silicon Valley. It was basically mm-hmm. cherry cherry orchards and apricot orchards. Um, and, you know, Apple Computer today is on the Mariani ap- uh, apricot farm. You know, it's mm. kind of funny that Apple Computer is on an apricot farm. But uh, anyway, so we, um, we started looking at what was going on here in the Midwest. And, and basically what people don't realize, if you, you know, everyone's going to India and China and Israel and all these other places. And if you take a look at the Midwest, the Midwest by itself, it would be the fourth largest economy in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got 150 of the fortune 500. It's probably, we haven't been able to verify this, but it probably, um, graduates more computer science, uh, and technical engineers in any place on planet earth. I mean, mm-hmm. when you add all the big 10 universities, all the big private universities. I mean, it's, it's a pretty stellar place. There may be some parts of India that, uh, and a couple other, maybe China as well, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely one of the top three. And, you know, what do you need for, for creating world-class um, technology companies? You need to have access to engineers. And, you know, we now have over uh, close to 3,500 3, people in our portfolio companies. And 
So we, you know, having access to talent is, is very, very important. Mm-hmm. The second thing is, is proximity to customers. And so, uh, you know, what we have here is, like I said, 150, the fortune 500. And basically, you know, the, the, uh, if you put a pin in Columbus where I'm at and draw kind of a one day car drive circle, you got over 50% of the nation's GDP, uh, in this area and 50, you know, over 50% of the population. So it's a very, you know, I lived in California my whole life. And what I didn't realize is, yeah, it's a great ecosystem. It's, it's a, it's a great, you know, it's been a great place to build tech companies uh, in the past because, you know, one tech company on the semiconductor companies helped create the mainframe companies, mainframe companies helped create the personal computer companies and so on and so forth. Well, today with cloud computing, uh, you know, with an internet connection and a, a credit card, I can get access to the best infrastructure on the planet. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the main reasons why Mark Zuckerberg moved from uh, Boston to Silicon Valley is he needed access to network engineers to build his infrastructure. Mm-hmm. I don't need to build infrastructure anymore. So now, you know, instead of being close to the technologist, our feeling is it's, it's more important to be close to the customer. So right. if you have the talent to build these companies, and two, you have access to the customer. And then third, you know, and again, this is not why we're here, but thing, it's just much less expensive yeah. create companies so right. you know it's like you know 40 to 60 percent less uh right. you know, if you're an engineer in the midwest making one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars, you can actually buy a house um i mean it's it's a totally different uh you know cost of living index and so you know you put all those ingredients together we think the midwest is the best place uh quite frankly on planet earth to build a tech company today. yeah it's fascinating. Yeah, no, it's an interesting phenomenon too, and the physics of it as well. You know, so like you know, you know, growing growing my own company, it's uh, you know, you're always like recruiting talent that's local. You're paying a high dollar for it, but then you're nervous that the next Dropbox, Coinbase, you know, Pinterest that comes along is going to take your talent if you're not the rocket ship in six months that that engineer expected, right? And so there's that. You know, at least in the Midwest, you know, you, you, you can shine, you could probably gravitate more talent. So it's very, very fascinating. And congrats on what you're, you're not just, you know, building and shepherding, but really leading out there. And so it's exciting that Drive Capital's, you know, thesis is, is, is along these lines. Um, Mark, you guys have invested in some pretty interesting companies and some interesting things. But when it comes to specifically health and or insure tech or insurance or health insurance, what are some themes uh, or things that have you passionate about these days? Maybe you can pick one or two of those and, and you know describe a little bit on why why you're passionate about these these trends. Well, I mean the way the way we invest uh, is you know we really look at themes, thing you know areas that are very mm-hmm. very large markets that we think are going to undergo fundamental change because of either technology or some sort of socioeconomic change. And, you know, the two that you just mentioned, uh, healthcare and insurance, we have really focused on quite a bit because we're seeing a great deal of change in, in both healthcare services, healthcare tech companies, as well as in insurance companies. So just to kind of highlight a couple investments, I mean, one investment is our is a, is a dental insurance company called Beam uh, Insurance, B-E-A-M. And what mm-hmm. they did is they effectively create a much more effective uh, digital insurance product. They also uh, ship with each one of their insurance products a, a connected toothbrush. Uh, so what mm-hmm. they're in the process of doing is connecting brushing behavior with claims data so they mm-hmm. can provide more accurate and, and better priced dental insurance 
uh, to folks across country. It turns out almost 100 million Americans don't have dental insurance. So imagine the ability to go down to the CVS, pick up a toothbrush, you know, brush for two, three, four weeks, and then get dental insurance priced to you.、Mm. So this whole idea that's you know a technology changing, that's、uh, you know the whole Internet of Things combined with this massive market called dental insurance that really has not been. Uh, changed in you know 20 years.、Uh, another example of that is is an area around、uh, what's called bundled payments. This whole concept of you know I go in to have a、uh, a physical or I have a you know let's say a broken arm or something.、Um, you know it, everything now is fee for service. So the anesthesiologist gets paid X. The the anesthesia costs you know Y. The hospital, the hospital room visit costs another number. The doctor gets paid something else, and you know the,、mm-hmm. the aspirin that I took. But when I got in the emergency room, that costs something. I mean, everything is billed out as a fee for service. Versus、uh, one thing that you know, one thing we all know about is how healthcare costs are going through the roof.、Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we saw is this big opportunity around bundle payments, where you basically pay for an episode of care. And so you pay, you know, if you get it, if you get a broken arm, it's four thousand five hundred dollars, and it's everything, you know, from soup to nuts.、Right. Or,、uh, so for example, we invested in a company called Move Health that is doing knee and hip replacements. And、uh, you know, we have a, a, our first facilities in Austin. We'll be opening up a couple in Pennsylvania here very quickly. But the the, the data is off the roof.、Uh, mm. You know, off it's just crazy.、Uh, in that we are about a third of the cost. We're、uh, two to three x the efficacy,、uh, and we're able to. And our NPS scores with our patients are, are near a hundred. It's like ninety eight or ninety nine. Because what we've done is taken care of you know, getting your hip replaced as an episode of care, versus、right. you know oh I got to do this I got to do that and you know this person's basically being processed through a factory. So by、mm-hmm. when when you really look at that whole episode. Uh, from soup to nuts, you can really provide a, a much more cost-effective solution. So that's just those are two ideas across、uh, you know th- those industry groups that you've been you've been talking about.、Mm. And, and so, like the Move Health, if I needed a hip replacement, let's say I'm you know 67 years old, I need a hip replacement, I would ideally want to travel to Austin to and work with Move Health to get my hip replaced. Is、yes. that kind of how it works? Okay. Yeah. Now, I mean, right now we want to have you know over time hundreds, a hundred plus facilities. We just partnered、right. with the Rothman Clinic and which is the preeminent orthopedic clinic in in Philadelphia.、Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll see some Move clinics happening in partnership with them. But what you're able to do is when it's a fully so you know we have what's called a, a care navigator. We're starting to take care of the patient a month before the surgery, so we're getting them、mm-hmm. ready. We're getting them both mentally and physically ready. They come in, and the thing that's very different about Move Health is we guarantee the service. So, the,、mm-hmm. you know, your insurance company and/or you is charged a fixed fee, which is significantly less than what you would find out in the open market.、Uh, mm-hmm. But you have to follow our protocol. So. For example, you know the average person who's getting their knee or hip replaced when they leave the hospital, they've only walked two, three hundred steps. We have found、mm-hmm. the more you walk, the better. So, you know, our people are walking two thousand seven hundred steps, for example, and、nice. everything is 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 is、uh, predetermined. And then on top of that, we guarantee the efficacy of our of our service for three months, and pretty soon it's going to be for much longer because, you know, it's crazy that basically a hospital. Is incented not to do a great job because、right. if that person comes back, it's more fees, it's more this, it's more that, and so、mm-hmm. uh, you know we you know at Move they put their money where their mouth is, for example.
Interesting, interesting. And just so just to play back some of those trends, right? So you, it's it's like you've got these tectonic plates that are kind of coming together in a good serendipitous way. So you got Beam, right? Connected to Fresh, so kind of an IoT element, the advent of sensors. And, um, you know, so that's an interesting phenomenon that's converging with interesting data on the claim side. Um, and then on the bundle payment side, obviously, you know, your bet there's like Aver. And uh, if I'm if I'm playing that back correct, and then you've got Move Health that's capitalizing on the bundle payment fee for value movement, and and all of these obviously pave the way for an interesting uh, insurance landscape. Um, I think you guys have also invested in root uh, insurance as well, right? And so and that's more on the car uh, car automotive yeah, more side, on the property casualty side, yes. Yeah, and on the property casualty side, so so why what what um, trends paved the way for a root to to excel and to exist now that weren't there maybe a year or two ago? Well, I mean, think about it. Most car insurance, you mm -hmm. become insured by what your FICO score is, what age you are, what sex you are, and mm -hmm. general, generally where you live. Do you live in Columbus? Do you live in San Francisco? Do you live in Oklahoma? Think about it. That's how they price car insurance to you. What Root says is, wait, that makes no sense. So what you mm -hmm. do at Root is you download an app on your phone, you then drive 300 miles, and we know how hard you brake, we know how you turn, we know how many left turns you take, we know how distracted you are, are you texting, are you emailing, are you Facebooking? We know all those things about you, and we can be 60 times more effective in pricing insurance to you. And when we're more effective, it turns out about 70%, 65, 70, 75% of drivers are really, really good. 30% of us really stink. And so right. they are the ones that create a vast majority of the, of the, of the claims. And so it's kind of like, you know, if you have a, uh, you know, if you're an 18 year old boy, man, you are in trouble because, you know, they, <laughs> they put you in this category of high risk and blah, blah, blah. Well, it turns out 50%, not 70%, but 50% of high school boys are really good drivers and very yeah. conscientious drivers. Yeah. And so, um, you want to be able, and if you're able to find those folks, you can save them huge amounts of money. And in Root's case, it's upwards, you know, over 50%. You're mm -hmm. able to save off, off of Geico, off of Progressive, off of their best quotes, you know, by being able to do that. So the key thing is having the data and the data science and the ability, uh, for, for lack of a better term, I'm giving my driving behavior to the company so they can figure out the best way to price insurance to me. You know, mm -hmm. it saved, you know, I had a friend of mine the other day, they saved $1,700. I mean, this is someone making mm. 70 grand. I mean, $1,700 is a lot of money. Wow. Yeah, no, it's it's powerful. I mean, so to play it back, the two trends there, it feels like it's like this convergence of behavior, tracking the behavior, right? Real-time tracking the behavior or near real-time plus the data science on yep. top of it gives a more common sense approach and the novel novelty, right, in a market that's been based on kind of like form filling out and, and you know, basic demographics. So super, um, super interesting. Um, how do these elements, so we talked about dental and car, bundle payments, value-based. What's your mindset when it comes to health insurance? I mean, if you were to create, you know, or if you were tasked or tapped on the shoulder, like, hey, Mark, create a modern health insurance company from the ground up. How do some of these pieces come into play or what, what would be your mindset in doing so? Well, I mean, it's this, it's this whole idea of, um, you know, these pools of people. Uh, and, you know, so if I'm, you know, I'm in my uh, late 50s, 
I'm a male and, um, you know, I, I, therefore my insurance is X. I got a you know, wife and kids and yada, yada, yada. I mean, mm -hmm. they have no understanding of my, my physical well-being, my genetic mm -hmm. well-being, my, you know, all, all this kind of stuff. And so um, the way I look at it is, you know, now with Apple Watches and Fitbits and, you know, genetic, you know, 23andMe tests and all this other kind of stuff. If I want to give up that data, now some people may not want to do it. They, they want to keep it from private. If I give up that data and it shows that I am highly active, my, you know, I am, I, my BMI scores are, are very low and yada, 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 yada. They should be able to use that data to price insurance directly for me. Um, right. You know, and right now, even the way some of the laws are, and I'm not a specialist in health insurance. I sure. Know. Right. But I mean, this whole fact that someone who, you know, for whatever reason, you know, weighs a, a huge, you know, a whole bunch of weight and, and or has a very unhealthy lifestyle and, and you know, uh, you know, smoking or whatever, then, you know, why in my pool am I paying for that person? It, it just like the same thing with the drivers, you know, at Root Insurance. Why do I have to pay for someone who's a terrible driver? Right. It's just not right. Okay. Right. Now, some people and some people can learn to be a good driver over time. Just like some people can, you know, if uh, stop smoking, for example, I mean, you know, for example, the thing that, you know, as a friend of mine was saying to me the other day, a doctor, he says, you know, sitting is the new smoking. So, mm -hmm. you know, I have a stand up desk. I, you know, I walk around all the time because, you know, I have found, especially as I get older, I got to stay active. That keeps my metabolism going. Well, mm -hmm. shouldn't mm -hmm. that behavior be rewarded in my insurance. Now, today, it is not. In fact, in Absolutely. some many areas, it's illegal to do that. You know, yeah. so that's the way I look at this whole thing. I mean, I think, you know, our healthcare system is going crazy right now. And, you know, like it's like a friend of mine is an ER doctor, and this may be, uh, you know, uh, sacrilegious to say, but he says, you know, 80% mm -hmm. of the people who come into the ER for emergency care, it, it's not the gunshot wounds, it's people killing themselves you know whether you know it's alcohol abuse or it's drug abuse or it's it's you know uh overeating or, i mean it's all yeah. these things that people are are basically killing themselves right uh, and why should we you know be rewarding that behavior uh mm -hmm. i just think you know that's the only way we're going to get you know a hold of our healthcare costs absolutely Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's a blessing. I mean, I think what's in front of us, the possibilities of being able to kind of narrow, uh, narrow the behavior set and, and really create a, a, a condition of proper reward and recognition on the insurance side. Um, you know, Apple 23andMe Fitbit, you know, all of these technologies, you know, yeah. Facebook, Instagram, you know, um, obviously people will give up some of their information for perceived benefit as long as it's secure, as long as it's legal, you know, and so it, it's the possibilities come from, you know, striking a balance between all of those factors, right? And so it's, it's exciting. And obviously you guys are betting or, or voting with your dollars, obviously, in these spaces. So that's super exciting. Mark, along those lines of, you know, you've set a really good foundation of some interesting trends uh, and, or highlighting interesting trends on behavior, data science, uh, claims, bundle payments, value-based. Um, uh, tell us your vision of the future when it comes to health and insurance or, you know, tell us a little bit about maybe some things that you believe that haven't been proven yet or some things that you believe in this space that, that other people think are crazy, but you know in your heart may come to fruition. Well, I mean, I, I think basically what's happening is, you know, I, I think the thing that, you know, we have to keep our eyes on is this whole 
art, quote unquote artificial intelligence world we're about ready to live in. And mm -hmm. you know, what is artificial intelligence? It's basically the cumulative intelligence of a lot of people or a lot of machines and sensors to predict a certain behavior or predict something, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't mean it's going to happen. It's, it's a prediction that the likelihood of this is going to happen. Just like we all know, if you smoke right. two packs of cigarettes a day, the likelihood of you getting lung cancer is pretty darn high. Yeah. Um, you, know, the, you know, if you are addicted to op opioids or whatever it happens to be, if you don't mm -hmm. you know, do any exercise and sit in front of the TV all day, you know, your likelihood of being unhealthy is pretty, pretty high. So I think the question is, is, you know, as artificial intelligence starts going in there, we can now uh, aggregate many pieces of data, you know, mm -hmm. your activity, your, you know, where you live, what you eat, all this kind of stuff to create predictions on what's going to happen with your health. And, mm -hmm. and I think the key thing there is trying to figure out one is, hey, everyone's got a choice. Everyone's got to keep their privacy. Everyone's got all the things we know about. But at the same time, we can't afford doing what we're doing anymore. You, right. you physically, I mean, even if you went to single-payer government health care, the government can't afford this stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. So we've got yeah. to figure out a way on how to use technology, just like we've used the Surgeon General to tell us that you know smoking is bad for us. How do we use technology to have better, better behavior? You know, mm. it's kind of like you know. Um, you know, in anything you do, um, you know, you want to have, uh, how do you incent better behavior? Because it, if at the end of the day, if someone wants to do destructive behavior, you're not going to be able to stop them. But how do you incent, a, a, you know, better behavior to reduce your costs and, and, uh, and, and increase your, uh, your quality of life? Mm, mm, yeah, Mark, no, I, I really appreciate it. I, I, I agree totally, you know, with, with, uh, with your vision of the future and, you know, AI data science behavior, you know, just democratizing this whole process and making it more visible and known, you know, the data's out there, you know, it just needs to be aggregated and connected to the right mechanisms to be able to offer people, you know, the, the proper services where they can get rewarded for their behavior and, you know, so much opportunity. And obviously, you guys are, are investing in, in these spaces. And so it's super fascinating and exciting to see what's going on. And Mark, thank you for sharing your insights. And obviously, as you as you guys continue to vote with your dollars, you know, love to have you back on the show, share some of the newer projects you guys are doing. But um, Mark, if our listeners wanted to get in touch with you or engage with you, what would be a great way to do so? Well, the best way is, uh, you know, it's Mark, M-A-R-K, at drivecapital.com. Um, you know, some of the best ideas I have seen just come over the transom. So I'm always open to chatting with folks uh, and hearing what, uh, what they're up to. So that's the best way to get a hold of me. Super, super. Mark, know you're super busy, but thank you for your time. This was extremely insightful and uh, super helpful. And to our listeners out there, again, this is the Pop Health Show. This is for people that are passionate about making other people healthier in this world. Mark, again, thank you so much. You're very welcome. And uh, thanks for uh, letting me share some of these thoughts uh, today. Absolutely, Mark. Of course, absolutely. Much appreciated. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Mark. Okay.